Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sea Change Podcast. I am your host, Jenna Valente, and this is your go-to show to meet the most interesting and inspiring people living, working, and recreating, and in the case of today's episode, creating along the American shorelines. And I am so eager to get into our discussion with our guest today that I will spare you a longer intro that typically features my meandering thoughts and musings. There will be plenty of times and other shows for that. So let's go ahead and get straight into it. But what I will say is that this episode features a number of things that are near to my heart and influential not only to my life, but countless others, which are the arts, community building, nourishing a deep connection with and love for the natural world and its spirit. And we will be talking about a very special place, actually the place that I was born, and it may come as a surprise to some of you longtime listeners that hear me going on about Maine all the time that no, it is not Maine. It is Hawaii. And it is an absolute honor to be in the company of today's guests, Taylor Chang and Na'alehu Anthony. Taylor is a curator at the Honolulu Museum of Art. She oversees the museum's film and performance department and curated the Artists of Hawaii Now exhibition that we'll be exploring in more detail during this discussion. And Na'alehu is a featured artist in the exhibit, a filmmaker and founder of his own production company. And I know I said we were going to get right into it. And here I am rambling because uh, apparently you can't take me anywhere, not even my own house sitting in front of a microphone. So Taylor and Na'alehu, I'd like to extend my warmest welcome. Thank you for joining me. Aloha. Thanks for having us. Aloha. Thank you so much for having us. And I would love to get to know you both a little bit better before we talk about the exhibit. So will each of you share some things that you feel comfortable sharing, of course, to give uh, both myself and the listeners a better sense of who you are? Let's start with Taylor. Hi. Um, yeah, so uh, my name is Taylor Chang. I um, born and raised in Hawaii, on Oahu, in Honolulu. And I, um, it has been my honor to co-curate Artists of Hawaii Now. And, um, you know, I got to work with 18 incredible local artists of Hawaii who are exploring, you know, different issues um, facing our community uh, through their creative practices. Um, I'm, I'm also a filmmaker and just, you know, have lived and breathed cinema in different ways throughout my life. Um, so, you know, aside from curating this show, um, I, I usually oversee an art house theater called the Doris Duke Theater, which is uh, located at the Honolulu Museum of Art. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's it's been like a really incredible journey going, um, you know, working in the cinema space and then being able to bring um, new media into the gallery spaces at our museum, especially during this time of uh, the past few years with the pandemic and so many challenges facing our community. Uh, it's been a real, um, 
it's been just really inspiring to be able to work with different artists for different mediums, um, not Alejandro Anthony, especially um, during this time. And anyways, that's just a little bit about me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for sharing. (laughs) And Alejandro, will you share a little bit more about who you are? Sure. Uh, My name is Alejandro Anthony. I am uh, from Oahu as well. I grew up in a small community called Ka'a'awa. Uh, which is on the east side of the island, a small coastal community, grew up in in and around the water for, actually, I still live there. I went back there uh, to the family home maybe uh, 10 or 15 years ago and um, really just hadn't left. Um, uh, I'm a documentary filmmaker by trade. I've, um, I've been in documentary film for the last 20 or so years and really in just an effort to bring light to some of the stories that I think are important in and around our community uh, that maybe have a different perspective and shine a brighter light on some of the things that are really positive that are happening in the Hawaiian community centered around um, language and culture. And um, that's been a a very long journey. 12 years ago or so, uh, we started a television station called OEB TV. And that's really been the primary vehicle for engaging uh, people, I guess, around the state and around the world uh, to all things Hawaiian. And I stepped down as the CEO uh, a couple of years ago and really just been looking at different ways in which I can engage audience uh, with some of the work that I do. And I think that's what brought, uh, brought on the the application and then the acceptance to artists of Hawaii with uh, Taylor and Marlene uh, at the, at HOMA to be able to um, take a little different look at what might be possible with some of the material that we've shot over the last few years. Yeah. And something that I really admire about both of you is your drive to amplify the voices and art and experiences of Native Hawaiians and Hawaiian culture. Will you share a little bit more about your sense of place and your connection to the islands and how that has shaped you and influenced how and what you create? Well, I mean, you know, our sense of place and and how we're rooted to Hawaii really informs everything. I mean, for me, you know, I mean, the first step is you look at your genealogy and and you tap into your genealogy. So, um, you know, I'm, um, you know, Chinese, Japanese, and Native Hawaiian. And so um, the land bases that are connected to my family through that genealogy informs who I am and my sense of place. Um, And with that comes you know, a set of responsibilities that, you know, we always have to kind of, or I I feel like I always have to keep in mind and whatever work I do, whether it's as a filmmaker, as a curator, or as a a maker of space or a facilitator of space. And, um, and so, you know, when you ask the question of like, how do we connect with Hawaii or to our sense of place, um, there are many layers to that question and everybody, you know, has their own individual journey and how to navigate that. Um, 
but within the context of this exhibition um, and as a curator, um, the lessons that I've learned from the different land bases that are important to me or that, you know, inform who I am help prep me or informs how, how I can contribute to creating space for others within a museum context and how to protect sort of the spirit of every, every artist's work and sort of how to, um, how to, how to facilitate space for artists and our audiences to, um, to connect with each other. Uh, and, and that's just sort of, I would say the broad stroke, uh, the broad strokes of how, um, I personally approach, um, connecting to space and creating space within the work that I do currently. Like a lot of that, a lot of that really resonates with me. And I think the, um, certainly the, the genealogical, um, uh, archive, if you will, of, of where we've come from certainly points us in the direction of where we may go. And um, that that's those those different spaces are really interesting to me. Um, the The family home that I referenced earlier is really it's like the physical manifestation of the space that um, I hear some people talk about. But for me, and and it's uh, when I come around that corner uh, from um, Kualoa into Kaava. Uh, it always, every time I come around the corner, it feels like I'm home. And so that's something that I know uh, grounds me and roots me in, in this, um, this idea of how it is that I can find the energy to do the work that I have to do. And the work and in the spaces in which I work are really driven by this, this, these ideas of all these questions. Uh, that I had as a kid and then as, as a uh, young adult and then as an adult. And really, I think a lot of the work that I do is in response to those questions that, that I've had. And they're mostly um, answered in the stories that uh, I take on as a filmmaker. And the stories, and hopefully we can get into that as we go into this, but those stories are, are what um, defines us now, and they're the stories that um, bring along that genealogy that Taylor referenced, that bring those ancestors along with us as we go. And the power of that is is rooted in these stories that persist and have persisted for many thousands of years. And that I've just come to realize, maybe in the last few years, that we're just a we're just a continuation of that. And so I try to do my best in that to keep that, uh, that mo'olelo, those stories and that tradition of stories moving forward. Yeah. And I think that that rolls perfectly into my, my next curiosity, which is to learn more about this exhibit. Um, so Taylor, will you tell me a little bit more about where the exhibit is housed in the Honolulu Museum of Art? Yeah. So the exhibit, uh, is in two of our largest gallery spaces at the museum. And there are, um, you know, in the two gallery spaces, you know, there's a specific, um, well, constellation of art pieces that are in dialogue with each other. 
and uh, Na'alehu's piece is in, he is in, is in the center of one of the gallery spaces, uh, his piece, Holomua, and, um, and, and Lehu will, you know, explain more about his piece, I'm sure, shortly, but, um, you know, it, it, you know, his piece is a great example of, of one that, you know, asks us to navigate uh, not only the issues addressed in the exhibition, um, but also to navigate the issues that we face as a community. Um, the exhibition, it features 13 installations, um, and each installation is, you know, addressing different social themes, whether it's, you know, homelessness or houselessness, domestic violence, uh, uh, you know, Native Hawaiian rights, um, uh, you know, sustainability, or the questioning of what sustainability means, um, you know, minimum wage issues, and, you know, um, and more. And, and so we have these 13 installations that are kind of, you know, really, you know, hitting on um, some, you know, pressure points, you know, that our community is, is facing, whether it's through, you know, colonization or decolonization and questioning the systems that we're in. Um, so, you know, as you navigate through the two different gallery spaces, you're kind of going through, uh, like, these different journeys of, of questions that we're facing as a community. Yeah. And how did the exhibit come to be? Because I imagine, you know, now we're sitting here, the exhibit's been open, people can visit it, but there's so much behind the scenes. And I imagine that it involved a lot of coordination and collaboration and, um, you know, input from the community of artists and the Honolulu community as a whole. Yeah, the you know the the preparation process for the exhibition started uh, over two years ago. The you know the exhibition was supposed to have opened in 2020, and the, due to the pandemic, we had postponed it a year. Um, but about I would say almost three years ago, you know, we had a call out for applications um, uh, to the community, and um, you know, Marlene Sue, the co curator, and I. Um, you know, selected sort of the the applications that really sort of rose to the surface for us that that felt like, um, uh, you know, they were they were the they were the right um, voices and the right um, you know works of art that that our community needed at this time, and and then so from there we selected um, you know the artists that are in the exhibition now and. You know, we had worked really closely with with each artist as they developed their pieces over the course of the past two years, leading up to you know, to the installation process, and and then even now in terms of um, you know how we facilitate space for audiences to engage with the pieces now that the exhibition is open. Um, and yeah, you know, it takes it it takes. It sounds like a cliche, but it is a cliche, but it's true. I mean, it takes a village to bring to bring each art piece to life, um, let alone the exhibition. Um, so it's definitely, you know, I think every single department in our museum was involved in some way, shape or form. And then, and even for the artists too, you know, there's so many different sectors of the community that come together to support um, and collaborate with each artist as they bring 
um, their work to life. So um, there's there's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of you know logistics um, and and through various sets of miracles along the way, it all comes together <laughs> somehow. <laughs> yeah. And just for the listeners, if you're interested in learning more about the exhibit, we'll cover this again toward the end of the our discussion, but um, there's a list of artists on the Artists of Hawaii Now website. Um, and so I was I brought this up because I was thinking about asking you to call out some other featured artists, but I don't want to leave anybody out because everybody that's included in this exhibit is amazing in their own right and um, deserves for our listeners to go learn more about who they are and their art piece um, because they're all fantastic and really great. And um, yeah, that leads me just to be really cu- more curious about Na'alehu um, – Will you describe your piece in more detail and what people can ex- expect to experience if they go visit? Yeah, I think I can do that. So to give a little bit of background of the, the content, um, I've been one of the ways at which I guess I, I engage in, in some of the, the cultural practices that are, um, are Hawaiian or Polynesian or Pacific Islander is I've, I've been a... Um, a crew member on board the Voyaging Canoe Hokulea. And for those of you who haven't heard that term before or don't know what a, a canoe is, it's not like a paddling canoe that you would p- paddle up a river. It's a 62-foot double-hauled um, sailing canoe that's about maybe 20 feet wide uh, that is capable of sailing many thousands of miles, um, typically unaided by any Western instrument. So there's no... Um, GPS or compass or sextant on board. And this is really a, a performance accurate replica of what would have been seen some 600 years ago or more that would have connected all of the, the Pacific islands um, to be habitable by people. And uh, obviously over the course of several hundred years, the design changed, but, but this canoe is, um, is rooted in many of the designs that you would still see in different places in Polynesia, as well as um, kind of uh, the Pacific proper. And this voyage, uh, this latest voyage that this canoe took, sailed for three years all the way around the planet uh, from 2014 through 2017. And the um, OEVTV and uh, a suite of photographers came on board uh, one at a time to document the voyage. And so over the course of a thousand shoot days, we amassed some 4,000 hours of material and several hundred thousand stills. Um, And basically we were providing daily service to back to land for all the different communities that we touched who wanted to know what was going on with Hokulea. And, um, and you can imagine there, there were several thousand pieces of content that were produced. Um, we did a two-hour film. We did several half-hour pieces and, and, again, this daily service. But after the voyage ended in 2017, there's really this question of, okay, well, what do we do with all this material? And so when Taylor came, came along and said, hey, you know, uh, we're doing this Artist of Hawaii thing. Will you apply? Uh, she first had to promptly kind of convince me that I was an artist and um, 
and and we had like a long talk about that and then and then I said well you know one of the interesting things to me is that you know the kind of engagement that um that we get when we're at the canoe is very specific when we go into a new port um we sailed up and down the eastern seaboard um for uh for you in Maine we were in Mount Desert Island I uh, I myself uh sailed through all these parts of, of Maine on our way back down to New York. Um, and really the, the intent was to not just bring some video that we had shot of the canoe to this exhibit, but it was to actually bring the physical manifestation of a canoe. And so in the proposal, I remember I was, I wrote it, um, thinking that, we needed a canvas large enough to actually project a life-size canoe on the ground in the interior of this exhibition space to bring it to people who maybe hadn't seen it and at, at a scale at which they could really ponder some of these um, imponderables of being on a canoe in the middle of the ocean, sailing off into the unknown. And so over several months, that's, going through several hundred days of material. That's really the kind of material that I, I pulled out looking to be able to articulate that. Not only how big we are, how big the canoe is, but also how incredibly small it is in the, in the seascape of, of this unknown at which we sail. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm, first of all, I'm so glad that there's a main to Hawaii connection that <laughs> came up in this episode. Um, but, and I know that you talked about this a little bit with what drew you to filmmaking a little earlier in our conversation, but I'm wondering if there was a particular moment or experience that really led you to pursue filmmaking um, really seriously or was it it like you were talking about earlier something that is just this calling that you felt oh yeah like I I know what what day it was I know what I was editing when it when it occurred to me that this might be something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life um, and I you know to be it needs a little more backstory so I've been shooting on board the canoe for 25 years um, before I was like a, like an actual filmmaker, I was documenting some of the voyages uh, with, with Hokulea and in an attempt to just be, you know, useful. You have 12 crew members on board the canoe who have to do a whole suite of things in order to make these endeavors useful. And, and documentation is a really important one, especially when you're trying to, again, allow people on board to, start to understand what this must have been like several hundred years ago. And, and you know, stills and, and filmmaking are certainly part of that. And I remember I was in the edit bay, um, this is like in 1999, editing some of the material that we had shot with this crew member who was, those were the days when you could go to the airport and you can go to the gate and we're shooting interviews at the gate. And there was this question about, you know, why do you leave your family to go on these voyages? And there's a senior crew member, and he talked about not knowing if he would come back. And that weighed heavily on him, and that the mission of the canoe was um, important enough to try. And even though that the risks are that high, that it, it it's important to endeavor into the unknown. 
And I took that back and I put some sailing footage over it and I found, and I was green. I was, it was like, I hadn't been editing that long. It was super green and, and kind of just stumbled into this sequence that had, you know, the right, it was the right tone and tenor of the soundbite. And it was the material over it was, you know, this, this beautiful canoe footage. And then there was a song under it that, that, um, uh, talked about the magic of the canoe and, and I, I was moved by it, but I thought, well, maybe that's just my ego because I cut it. And then I let a few people in the edit bay and showed it to them, and they started crying. And right, to be clear, like I stumbled upon this. I didn't, I didn't have the kind of direction. I, hadn't, I still haven't been to film school, um, but it, it gave me a data point that I could evoke emotion from someone who, um, who could watch something that I created and I could direct that emotion based on these series of decisions that you make in production. And that is like an unbelievable high that um, if you acknowledge it and you say, this is what I'm going to do, then you will, you will chase the rest of your lifetime to craft that and hone that to get better and better at it. Absolutely. And, you know, it's the incredible high, but it's also just incredibly important work. Um, and I think that it's just so important what you're doing with your production company. And I'm wondering if you'll share a little bit more about the mission and the particular projects that you work on. Yeah. I mean, we work on the stuff that is like the hard stuff. We work on projects that um, are like hard to get to, um, they're like, they require like a huge amount of time and effort. Um, because I think in that, in that set of, um, in that, in that set of variables that we encounter in those kinds of projects, we also have the most opportunity to do something really extraordinary. So, you know, you can, you can shoot a feature film in 40 days. We shot a thousand days on board Hokule'a on, for the worldwide voyage. Um, there are these islands that are to the northwest of us, the main, what they call the main eight Hawaiian islands where most, where everyone lives, Oahu and the big island in Maui. And there's another, you know, 12 or, 12 or 1500 miles of islands and atolls that exist above there. Uh, that um, the most notable would be Midway. And, and shooting up there is just so incredible because, again, it's an opportunity to bring these places that nobody gets to see and bring them home for people to revel in the beauty of the natural environment. Um, you know, the kinds of projects that we work on interface with language, Hawaiian language and culture in ways at which are new and innovative. Um, you know, who knew you could do an interview in Hawaiian for mainstream news? How do you do that? Why is that important? Um, and, and, and who knew that, that cultural documentary filmmaking is actually a career uh, for some people that gets them to pay the bills and the mortgage and all the things that we have as, as humans who live in one of the most expensive states uh, in the U.S.? And um, I guess I would just leave you with that, that it's, uh, it's the, the kinds of stories that will continue to resonate 
and the, the record of those stories that will continue to resonate long after we're gone. Like those are the ones I'm constantly looking for and, and try to make that bet in that direction. Yeah. And I appreciate your dedication to slowing down. I, we live in such a fast paced society now that um, there's a lot that is missed in us moving from one thing to the next or scrolling on our screen. And um, I, we, I just think we need more of that of taking the time to really understand all of the nuances and the people that are involved and the stories and telling it right. Um, so yes, I really, really appreciate you for that. And um, Taylor, so the, the exhibit's been open now for a few weeks and I'm wondering what has the feedback been like? How is it being received by visitors? Yeah, it's been, you know, it's been, I've been people watching as people have been going through the galleries the past several weeks. And it's been um, really inspiring and really energy giving to kind of see how different visitors navigate and interact with, um, with the work. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, for Holomua, it's, um, I feel like for a lot of people, it's the first time that they've that they're engaging with the Hokulea in in, in this way and within within a museum context. And you know, there it depending on you know people's um, existing familiarity uh, with with the Hokulea and the worldwide voyage. You know, you know you see um, you know different types of interactions, and and, um, and that has been really awesome to to see. You know, there are some who are. Um, extraordinarily reverent and, you know, don't want to, you know, walk onto the floor projection, um, you know, but, but people are in fact able to walk into the floor projection to feel like they're, um, you know, either walking on the hall of the Hokulea um, or, you know, just standing in the middle of the ocean. And, um, and then, you know, I, there's a lot of conversations that happen around the piece, which is really exciting. Um, and there's an element of the, of, of the piece where, um, you know, physical like on on the walls of the gallery space on the ceiling, um, there are markers um, of the star compass um, that that the Hokulea uses to navigate um, on the open ocean, and um, you know, it's sort of like this Easter egg that people can discover when they are, um, you know, standing in the center of uh, of the floor projection of the piece, and then they look up and then they can see these um, these navigation markers um, around the pretty much the entire circumference of, of, of the gallery space. And so that, that moment um, has been a real eye opener for people. And it's really exciting to see people kind of discover that. Um, and it really kind of hits home this, like this question of, of how do we navigate, um, you know, our world as an individual and as a community um, when that, when that um, kind of aha moment takes place in the gallery. Um but yeah, you know, there's, there's, I think we're still in the early stages of the exhibition opening. I mean, conversations have definitely um, started to evolve and started to bloom, um, you know, since the opening several weeks ago. And, um, you know, we expect it to continue through, through January, 2022 um, and beyond really. Um, so yeah, we're excited um, to continue to see that unfold. Yeah. And, you know, when I think about art and innovation and creativity, I think about how influential those things have been and really are to everything that we do as humans. It's 
just directly linked to who we are. And, you know, regardless of if you out there listener consider yourself a creative person or not, I would bet anything that you've experienced something that either you or someone else created that has deeply moved you. And just speaking from my own experience as a photographer and podcast host, um, poet, avid journaler, that drive to create is not something that I can ignore. It's part of me and it's like something that must be tended to or expressed or else I just feel off just as a whole. And I feel like that resonates well beyond me out into society because art is not something that can be ignored or should be ignored. It's really a powerful thing that can change the world. And um, do either of you have thoughts on, you know, just the power that art can have on movement building? Well, maybe I can take a swing at it, and and especially because of the the image that is the voyaging canoe. That is something that has reverberated through space and time for hundreds and hundreds of years. And, you know, what's interesting and, and why I think it's such an important, looking back now as, as, um, as someone who's photographed Hokula in, in many different places and spaces and now brought the image of the canoe to this artist of Hawaii uh, collaboration, it's like the the image of the canoe resonates deeply with all Pacific people. It's clear. And what we found out over the course of the worldwide voyage is that what this canoe represents is something that actually resonates with Native people around the world. And when we bring these images into these spaces, for me anyway, as, um, as a photographer and filmmaker um, and, and now artist with this exhibit, I'm constantly looking for ways to pass on the, um, the, the Hawaiian word is kuleana, right? The, the burden, but also the privilege and the, that, that, energy that is this object and you know i mean right filmmaking in in a, in a lot of senses is like a band-aid for actually just going and do it yourself that's how i consider it with with sailing on board hokulea like you know i wish everyone could come sailing and and see islands from the viewplane of a canoe when you pull them out of the sea um, as a crew member uh, following the direction of, of the navigator who is heading towards land after, you know, dozens of days and then seeing, seeing land. Like if everyone could understand what that felt like, then maybe we would treat this planet a little better. Right. And so we have these opportunities in partnership with these institutions to bring a little bit of that, into these places, places and spaces to inspire and to say like, hey, these things are worth not only being in awe of, but if we're going to be in awe of them, then they're also worth protecting. 
And I think that's where the, the ability to really change hearts and minds, not through just like strict education, but through the, the beauty and the simplicity of some of the things that are shown in Artists of Hawaii. How about the power of community and the impact that supporting artists can have? You know, I think that can be incredibly powerful and life-changing as well. And do you have any thoughts on, on just the impact that that can have, bringing people together, bringing a group of artists together? Yeah, you know, a lot of times the word community is used, um, but they're with, with very little understanding of what that actually means and sort of the work that, that like the very hard work that goes into, you know, maintaining maintaining relationships and, and truly building. Um, and, you know, within the context of the exhibition, there are different levels, there are different layers and different types of communities that, that come into play, right? Like there's a community of artists who have come together to, um, you know, bring to life this exhibition. There's a community of community partners and, you know, stakeholders that, you know, come into play um, that, you know, um, bring it to life. And then there's, there's this community of, there's the community that we serve, which is, you know, the community in Hawaii and all the different, all the different facets and aspects of our community here, which is not a monolith, right? It's like incredibly nuanced and layered and intricate. And, um, and so the, power that the space like the exhibition can have is to bring together different sectors of the community that might have not otherwise connected outside of that space. And, um, you know, I think, I think we have, we, we, we recognize that a museum space, um, you know, brings all different walks of life into its galleries and, um, and, uh, you know, people who, um, you know, are even not from Hawaii. We have a lot of visitors, you know, who come, who, you know, maybe have absolutely no idea, you know, the nuances um, of our community and can be, you know, introduced to a different perspective of Hawaii than say that they would get when they're in a hotel in Waikiki. Um, and and so I think like I think the question and the challenge and the responsibility that we have, you know, working in a space, or for me, working in a space in the museum is to, think of um, creative, innovative ways to bring different sectors of our community together that would not otherwise come together or be in dialogue with each other or be able to see each other in, in different ways. So, um, you know, I guess every single piece, every single work of art has this potential to, you know, communicate messages, you know, across different sectors of the community. And so how, how do you kind of, you know, facilitate that is is sort of the challenge I think that we that we have um anyways that that's one way to approach the question of of how community factors into this so I think what Taylor meant to say was it was very difficult to wrangle these 18 individuals to turn their things in on time and to (laughs) show up on time with their pieces ready to go (laughs) and to uh, manage expectations against all of the the uh, the other things that that are going on in uh, trying to bring an exhibit to life, but I appreciate how gracious she was with uh, with her description of how things went. 
No, that was not, that was not what I was trying to communicate. The, yeah, I mean, the humility, it, yes. No, I mean, I mean, you know, naturally when you're, when you're, when you're working with like, you know, X number of people. And I, I mean, actually, you can speak to like, you know, wrangling, you know, crew, you know, working with like crew members on a, on a, on a canoe and like, you know, this, like the, 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 you know, it's, it's like in building community around the Hokule. I mean, like, gosh, you have deep experience in, in doing that. And, um, you know, I, it's just, I, I guess, you know, this, this is another way of saying that the, that the exhibition is in itself, it's its own kind of um, vessel through which to build community. And so, you know, how to go about that in a strategic way that, um, you know, brings together people who would not otherwise come together and, and, and having those relationships established, you know, either deepening those relationships or, you know, establishing those relationships leads directly to, 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 you know, the sustainability of, of, of our community and, and, you know, of, of Hawaii as a whole. Um, and so it's like community building is directly related to, um, questions of sustainability, um, in the big in the big picture i think it's a step further than that too taylor i think you're still being a little a little more um you know bringing a little more humility than than um than what the what the actuality of this is and the, and the reason i say that is because we um we have to find these spaces where different people who have different views of this place can come together to talk it out, to peer into some of the other silos of uh, places and spaces that they do not normally get to peer into. And we are losing those spaces uh, quicker than we can build them. And when we look at what, what I believe Artists of Hawaii has done is not only did it create a safe space, but a, like a really well-known space, which has elevated the potential for these conversations to take place in a way that centers around all these things that, that we care about. And it offers the viewer something that they probably could not get any other way. Right. Which is, which is this safe, undiluted, high quality engagement to really ask some of the harder questions that maybe they haven't even contemplated asking. Yeah. And learn, which, you know, I think that's something that I really love about connecting with other artists. I mean, getting to know other people in general uh, but in this context, artists are connecting with the outdoors. It's the awareness that I have so much to learn and being open to those lessons and being open to talking about them as well as seeing things or experiencing the world through other people's perspectives or lived experiences. Um, are there, is there anything that, that comes to mind for either of you of just – interesting things or anything that you have learned 
from your fellow artists in the exhibit? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, so one of the things that I would point to that I learned, I don't, I didn't know everyone in the cohort. I only actually knew a few of them is that many, many of us who came together at the opening of the kind of coming together to, to say, okay, these are, this is the cohort for this year. Um, which actually happened pre COVID, right? It happened right before COVID shut everything down. And so it was a, it was a much more open space to have a discussion is that many of these folks who are quote unquote artists, like I would think of them as artists, don't see themselves as artists. And like myself in, in, you know, really having like a really hard time coming to grips with whether or not I would step out as, as an, as an artist in this rather than a filmmaker or a photographer, um, and having, having Taylor walk me through it, I realized that there's so many people who also feel that way. And that gave me strength to think about, well, well, if we all feel that way, then why is that? And why don't we just own it? Because the body of work that's going to come out of this is probably going to shape a ton of conversations as we move forward. And that's, that's what art's about, right? Definitely. And I, I certainly connect with that. And that's something that, you know, I've been working through myself too. So I appreciate that you brought that up. Um, because it, I think, you know, I don't really know, I can, I really can only speak from my own experience that I think when I, when I hear the word artists, I think of like world famous artists or people that went to art school and, and, uh, anything that I've done, it's all been self-taught and just because I've been curious or wanted to explore. And um, it's only taken up until this point where I've sort of amassed this collection of things that I've created that I'm trying to own that a little more. And I think that a lot of people face that. And I think that it's great that you brought that up because it's likely that there are people um, listening to this that, that feel a similar way. I'll just, I just want to add to her too. I mean, this was also something that was eye-opening for me um, uh, is that, well, I'll step back a little further. I mean, in terms of, you know, how to, how people draw the line between what, what, you know, makes an artist with a capital A versus not, it is, is quite arbitrary. And, you know, especially during, you know, these times where, um, of like massive upheav- upheaval and change in our in our social structures and this like extreme need to really sort of um, reassess sort of you know you know gatekeeping in in the art world or in any sort of you know major institution um, like you know oftentimes the line that's drawn between what constitutes an artist and what doesn't is is honestly just like access to space um or it's pretty arbitrary it's like you know who gets you know who gets to show in a gallery space versus who doesn't and um i think you know marlene sue and i who had co-curated this this exhibition really wanted to question that and um sort of you know we asked ourselves like um you know why, why, why are certain creatives in our community, you know, not supported by, um, 
spaces such as such as ours in, in, in the gallery space like what 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 like why is there a difference between um you know certain creatives versus others and and a lot of times it just it's it's like it's an equity at the root cause of it um and so um and and sort of that the the feeling i think that people that people have um when you know they're questioning them when 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 we questions ourselves as artists like we have to really take a step back and sort of think like why do i feel that way is it because of of i really am not or is it because um is there a larger like social structures at play that um you know that are informing sort of this this feeling of of you know not being qualified to be one and then just like questioning that um, and so, so many of the artists, in fact, all the artists in the show are, um, are leaders and creatives outside of the gallery space. Like that was really key. Um, and, and, uh, and, you know, I think we just, you know, we have to ask ourselves, like, um, why do we value certain types of work versus others? Um, or why do we, why do we differentiate a filmmaker from an artist with a capital A? Why do we differentiate, you know, um, you know, an activist, um, who, you know, is creating, you know, posters, um, and material that's like, you know, making direct impact in the community. Why, why is, why is an activist different from an artist and, and so on and so forth. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's questions worth asking and, and really interrogating, especially during these times. Yeah, and something I was really glad to see is that you all included some artists that this is their first show or they've never been in, in a show like this before. And um, that's a huge deal, not even just for the artists, but I can only imagine you know, for the artists themselves how exciting that is um, and getting back to what we were just talking about and giving – creating space and, um, you know, it's gotta be just a moment of confidence and joy and feeling included. And I think that is so important right now. Um, so it's great that you all did this with this show and because we are talking about learning from each other and, you know, learning through our creative processes and, I think that sometimes the most growth can come out of the more challenging times. And, um, you know, I think a lot of creative processes are just filled with many ups and downs and challenges and overcoming them and growing and learning from them. So what would you say is the most challenging part of your work or has there been a challenge that seems more relevant or timely. Um, and what have you learned from that moment? So we do um, a lot of training of other filmmakers and storytellers as part of um, our process of engaging community. And, um, and, and so this, this question comes up, it's like, oh, well, you know, you, this, these are the things that you should expect to be hard. And, these are the ways at which you, um, you as an up and coming filmmaker, may see you know some challenges. And the first thing that I tell people, uh, especially new documentary filmmakers, is like, if this story is worth telling, go tell it. 
Don't let anyone tell you it's not a story worth telling. If you see it as a story worth telling, then it needs to be told. And I think that uh, certainly for myself, when I was coming up as a filmmaker, not having peers to lean on in the same way that there's a much larger cohort of storytellers and filmmakers in Hawaii now, uh, there were people who just like dismissed the, the work that I wanted to do because I maybe didn't have the tools to use the words that they needed to hear in a Western context to say, okay, well, this storyteller is ready to tell the story and uh, this piece is important to a larger discussion. And part of this process is that you have to do it in order to like do it. And you, you know, there's, I mean, obviously there's, there's training and there's school and there's film school and all these other things, but part of it is just the doing of it and providing a platform to do it is critical, especially when we're on the edges of using these tools and utilizing storytelling as a way to combat so many of the other things that are actually the root that we have to combat. And it goes to uh, the reflection of uh, native kids in our communities. It goes to this idea that language matters and that native language is critical. And if we don't speak Hawaiian here, where will we speak it? And it just so happens that video and film and TV are these really important tools to promote that. And so, you know, I mean, the other answer I could give is like, oh, you know, we're always broke and we're always looking for more money and we're always looking for ways to get our story out there. But I think like if you really work hard at it, the money will come. The dollars to do these things are available. There, there are ways to get the dollars. But the question is like, what are you trying to solve for? And how does it add to the much larger conversation that needs to take place, both in Hawaii and in the U.S. and then around the world? Yeah, no, I, I think it. I think the the most challenging part is is working with working within um, pre existing long standing structures like institutional structures um, that that need to be questioned and need to be challenged. <laughs> and, um, you know, for in order to kind of, you know, truly sort of provoke change in the way that we do bring together um, people in the community, I think, um, I think, especially in the art world, I think there's so many assumptions about sort of, you know, how art should be, um, how exhibitions should be put up or how, um, how you know work should be presented or how um you know you know what typical ways maybe museum operate museums operate um and and i think all i think so many museums and institutions are in this like real kind of like um existential point um where um you know it, it, it it's like if we do if if we really want to change and evolve to meet the needs of the time um, one really needs to grapple with like how we work on a day to day basis, and I think so. I think that's the most challenging part. I think is is navigating sort of pre existing sort of set ways of working, um, and and sort of finding 
strategic ways to like question things. Um, and so that we can successfully create space for, um, you know, works like the Holomua and like all the other pieces to like really resonate and have its, um, have its safe space. Um, yeah, I think there, there's, there's a lot of like, um, resilience, I think that goes into, to navigating that, to navigating change when, when one works in, in an institution. Definitely. And just as there's a lot of learning and growth that comes from the challenging times, I like to give the good times some attention as well. So in the context of creating, what brings you the most joy? And I mean, really, it doesn't even have to be in the context of creating. I don't like to put boxes around things. So if you'd rather share just what makes you happy and what's rewarding, that's perfectly fine. I, I think it's it, what, what's rewarding and what brings me joy is sort of seeing these works of art, you know, truly resonate with audiences and, and, um, and seeing people be inspired by, by the work and to see people come into the space and feel safe and feel welcomed. And, um, you know, that, that makes everything worth it. And it's like the most inspiring thing. So I've spent several hundred days on board voyaging canoes over the course of my life. Um, most of those days have been outside a side of land and sailing really long tracks of open ocean. And those days are truly joyful. Like they, they bring me great joy. I've, I've always had really positive experiences on the canoe, even when it was hard and, and dangerous and, and, wet and soggy and cold. It was still joyful days. And I guess the way that I would articulate like those most joyful moments is actually the moments that I wouldn't shoot. There are moments that I have in my memory of just something so awe-inspiring and so beautiful that I didn't want to look at it through a viewfinder and capture it that way, that I just needed it just for me. It's like, so beautiful that you had to be on the journey to see it. And if not, then that's, that's just for me. And those are the moments. Yeah. Those are the moments. I want to also add that the what brings me joy is working with artists like Na'alohu and all the artists that are in this exhibition and just learning from them and, and just like, you know, really just it's it's a real privilege to be able to, to learn from them throughout this process like that has been energy giving um and and essential i think in, in the work yeah so you you mentioned before the exhibit runs until january of 2022 is that correct yes until january 16th and so do you have thoughts on what's next or are there other projects in the works that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> and I feel like we're still so deep in the middle of this current exhibition that we have yet to really, truly emerge out of it to kind of, um, to really wrap our heads around the next step. Um, but I know, um, uh, and, and there will be an, an, a next step and perhaps like in the next few months, um, that'll become more, more clear. But, um, I know that, um, 
for me, I, we're, our, our, our cinema space has been closed um, for a while now since the pandemic. So um, we're going to try to be um, navigating reopening safely and, and sort of bringing back that, bringing back, uh, bringing it back to life. So that, that certainly will be part of it of the next steps. Excellent. And Naalehu, how about you? What's next for me? That's a good question. So just to give you an idea of the scale and scope of the, the Worldwide Voyage, we, we processed our photos um, daily. So we, I would do a pass of what I would call my selects, and then we would send them back via satellite to be used in all the different avenues at which um, we, were, we were producing content for. So all the social cha- channels, all of the newspapers, all the media requests, all those things. But I've never actually gone back to the photos for a second pass to look at them in a different context. That context being like, what do these photos have to offer now that the voyage is a little, little bit behind us? And what of these are locked in time, these really important moments that we need to make sure people see? And if I had to guess, that's probably just for me, just for the stuff that I shot, it's probably like, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand stills. And so that's something that I've been contemplating diving into and pulling out and seeing what what resonates with me now versus what did back then. Yeah. And I certainly look forward to following along with both of you and... I am sure the listeners are as well. How can people follow along with you after this sh- this podcast wraps up and where can they go to learn more about the exhibit? Um, well, for learning more about the exhibit, uh, everyone can go to honolulumuseum.org and uh, to check out the Artists of Hawaii Now webpage. And... Um, and, you know, yeah, Honolulu Museum on Instagram and social media would be the best place to look. Um, for me, as a filmmaker, you can follow me on Instagram at Films. But now that I'm an artist, you'll just have to talk to my agent. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Instagram should be fine. Um, okay, so I wrap up every show with... It's sort of a lightning round where I ask all of my guests the same series of questions. Um, so for maybe for this, we'll do um, we'll look for we'll do Taylor and then Naalehu for the answers um, for each of the questions. Um, so starting with, what do you think is the most pressing environmental challenge that we're faced with? I just think, I, I mean, I, I mean, this is, this is going to, I feel like not the best answer, but this is what's coming to my head right now, which is like just truly developing a relationship with the land for like just so everyone. So, so, so many people are, are just so disconnected to land. Um, and, and that seems like to be just a root problem. Like if we truly do connect with the land and like understand our Kuleana responsibility to it, then a lot can probably be solved and prevented. That's an excellent answer. And you had a pun in there with connecting to the land with the root problem. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I did. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> so so for me, um, mine is much simpler. I live 30 inches above sea level. 
and uh, sea level rise due to global climate change is the literal problem that is knocking on my door. And uh, the ne- next question is, what motivates you? My community. I would say the stories of my community. What's the best advice you've ever been given? And what advice do you have for our listeners? And should you only want to answer one of those, that is totally fine. Best advice I've ever been given. Um, again, super simple, but um, think big, stay rooted. <laughs> Going back to the rooted. The best advice I've ever been given is... Uh, when a photographer took me aside and said to me, basically, know your worth. And it came in this story of how much do you charge for a still photo? And he was very clear that if you couldn't say the number, then the photo wasn't worth that much. I feel like I needed to hear that today. (laughs) Well, thank you both so much for joining me. I just wholeheartedly enjoyed this conversation. I am looking forward to following along with both of you after this podcast. I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to connect. Um, and just thank you again for joining me. Well, thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much, Jenna. I'd like to thank the listeners. If, if you like what you heard and want to hear more of this show and other shows like it, uh, feel free to subscribe to the American Shoreline Podcast Network wherever you listen to podcasts. Rates and reviews are always appreciated. And if you are on social media, you can connect with us on Facebook. We are the American Shoreline Podcast Network. On Instagram and Twitter, we are at Coastal News 365. And you can connect with me personally on Instagram. I am Jenna Valente. And on Twitter, I am at Yana Benna. So please find us online and let's chat about our beautiful coastlines.